When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What if you could become a better person, not by working harder, but by taking one small step a day? And not because you're a bad person now, but because there's something inside you that's ready for more. How to be a better person gives you one tiny step a day you can take to be the person you want to be. My mission? To help you live your best life. Hi, and welcome to the How to Be a Better Person podcast. I'm Kate, your host and author of the book, How to Be a Better Person, which has 401 ways to make a difference in yourself and the world. This week on the podcast, I'm talking about patience, because when I surveyed listeners about the number one thing they struggle with when it comes to feeling like a better person, they named patience as their top thing, or rather impatience. Because when you're feeling frustrated and impatient, that's often when you do the stuff that you're least proud of. Today, I'm talking with Kelly, who was my coach for years and who taught me so much about patience and so many other things. I'm really excited to have her on the podcast, both for selfish reasons, because I always love talking to her and learning from her, and because I'm excited to introduce her to you. Kelly, thank you so much for being here. Hi, Kate. You're welcome. Glad to be here. (laughs) So it seems like we're all just wanting things faster and faster these days. Why do you think patience is something that's hard for so many of us? Yeah, I, you know, it's one of those things you hate to blame stuff on the culture, right? But I think, <laughs> I think uh, it'd be silly not to blame a little bit of it on that. I mean, we, we, and if we're talking, I'm assuming a lot of your listeners are in the United States. And so, you know, we do have kind of an individualistic culture. We do as a culture, especially with technology and the way it's been exploding, even in the last 10 years, we do tend to value speed and instant gratification. You want a product delivered, you can usually have it delivered within a day or two. You have a question, you can literally Google it on the phone that you have in your pocket right now and start reading tons of answers within seconds. So I do think there's just a bit of this cultural drive, you know, that a a bit of a belief that, that more is better, faster is better, and that you know, you can have it all all at once is kind of the other thing that I think is promoted, uh, maybe even subconsciously, or maybe by advertisers who want you to buy more things. I, you know, I'm not sure really where it comes from. But I don't find it true that more is better. Um, And that having and I've just especially with clients that I've worked with over the years, you can kind of have it all but not in my opinion, not usually all at once and not really well all at once. So those are my initial thoughts is that we're, we're sort of in a culture that promotes it. Um, and then beyond that, I feel like, you know, a lot of times people really just don't have the tools to have an alternative. So it's kind of by default, you just lapse into the impatience. Right. That's really interesting that you mentioned the tools to have the alternative. What do you see those tools as being? Well, they're there's probably tons of them, right? And and one of the things I love about coaching is that you're working with an individual client. So you're really looking at their whole life and what their particular strengths are, weaknesses. So tools, in my opinion, need to be customized for the person, right? Like, you know, I mean, uh, everyone is just so, so completely different. But in general, 
I think it comes down to starting to really understand what you actually can control and influence and what you really largely can't. I think that's one of the biggest tools. I think another one is understanding your own priorities and values, because kind of what I was saying a minute ago, if if everything's equally important and it all needs to be had right now, nothing is more important than anything else. And so you can then become impatient or angry over literally anything not going the way that you thought it should, right? But if there's actually a, a system of, of priorities and values that is specific to you and you're very clear on it, then it, then it becomes easier to decide what is, what is actually worth becoming upset over and what is not. So some of it is just understanding who, who we can control, what we can, can control, and what we can't, and then being clear on your priorities and values. I think that's at least a general starting point for most people. Yeah, that's awesome. Something you taught me once is that impatience is based on fear, and fear is always a lie. Can you talk more about that? Okay, that's funny. I can see why I would have said that. I feel like a lot of what, I, what I've taught and, and learned over the years evolves, right? So, <laughs> uh, so I'm not saying that I disagree with that, but I'm like, oh, interesting that I said that. Um, but here's what I, so fear, I, I would not say it is always a lie at this point. Fear can be very instrumental, but here's probably what I meant by that. Fear is usually based on survival. Okay, it is. I mean, it's important. I mean, we, you know, we sense a threatening situation and we are afraid and we act, right? It drives action and it, but it is really usually more linked to our survival brain. Okay. And by that, I don't mean, I mean, I, I do mean sometimes literally, are we staying alive? Are we fed? Do we have money to have shelter and, you know, a safe place to live? Um, but also, we can be afraid that some of our other basic human needs will not be met, like fear of, you know, not being accepted or belonging. So we can get into a survival mode around that. Probably what I, what I was getting at there is it's not that fear is always a lie or a bad thing. It's that it's really not how you want to create your life from. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's like you want it there to protect you in things where you need to truly be protected. But really, ideally, you would be more creative than fear-based. Okay. So one of the distinctions I tend to use with people is whether, whether you've become competitive or survival-minded versus creative. Mm-hmm. Both could get you a result, but creative tends to feel better. I mean, it requires a little more energy sometimes to be creative, but, you know, coming from a place of building what you want versus being afraid of the default or what is coming at you, I think in the long run tends to be more powerful for people. Am I talking too theoretically there or is that making sense? No, I mean, I, I, I love chewing on a big, <laughs> a big piece of theory. And I, I, I think it is very tangible when you think about Am I being impatient because I feel like I have no control here, you know, Mm -hmm. versus could I just get busy doing something that I would help me create what I want? And therefore, my impatience would probably go down, too. Yes, that that's huge. And I think most people are sometimes at a loss for how they could create what they want. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, you know, a lot of times people really at least haven't given that enough thought or they're they're hitting some roadblocks even with that. And and you can see where if you're not able to create what you want, and that comes back to the priorities and values, right? If you feel like you're building a life that works for you and most areas of your life are going a, at least a decent direction that you approve of, then roadblocks and stuff tend to be more in context. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And less likely to trigger like this big, less, less likely to have a huge reaction, right? right. Yeah. But if you if you look at your life, and most areas are not the way you think they should be or would like them to be, and you're also at a loss for how to truly create real change in them, then immediately when someone adds to that and thwarts you or slows you down or whatever, it's it's almost like there's can be an overreaction at that point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you're coaching someone and you can see that impatience is something that they struggle with, I literally remember you, Kelly, telling me like, Kate, you're doing pretty well. But if there's one thing that's like I would want to bring to your attention is you're a little impatient, which I really appreciated. Yeah. (laughs) What are some of the things that you'll talk to them about or have them do to help them at least raise their own awareness of their patience or lack thereof? Yeah, well, it's, you know, you just kind of modeled it. I, I would mostly just you know, note that I, I notice something, right. And, and ask if they agree or not, right. Because, you know, sometimes people are just truly not aware they're in their default and it's not even necessarily an all bad default. Like it might have lots of benefits to some degree. Right. And, and so if you're not aware that, that you on the whole might sometimes come off as impatient, then you don't even have the choice of whether or not you would like an alternative or want to address it. Mm-hmm. So kind of the number one thing is awareness. Does someone agree? Do they think they tend to be impatient? If so, in what situations, how, why? And then the second layer of that is, would they like it to be different? Because, I mean, they don't have to. You can always go, yeah, I'm kind of impatient and that's fine with me. You know, <laughs> you know, like I, I there's some things that are just are how we are and, and for whatever reason, they haven't created enough consequences and you don't find them an issue. Well, then there's no, no buy-in and no reason to work on it. But if you do identify it with a client and they they are willing to work on it, then the things that you're looking at is, is getting specific about which scenarios do you know trigger the impatience, what's behind it, you know, and digging deeper into that. Got it. Okay. So I know that it's hard to generalize about this stuff, but mm-hmm. let's let's come up with a theoretical situation where somebody might be impatient. Maybe it's driving. Gosh, Mm -hmm. what is it about driving that I feel like I can be a really nice person in most parts of my life and put me behind the wheel of the car and I am just, I will just start yelling at cars, right? Like if somebody does something that I think doesn't, uh, you know, follow the rules of the road, like there, or sometimes, you know, let's say this is a hypothetical situation. And one, I hope that I don't think totally personally is about all about me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you come yeah. to a four-way stop sign yep. and it's your turn to go. But right at that moment, a pedestrian starts to cross the street and they're moving really slow for whatever reason. Maybe they're looking at their phone, something mm-hmm. that you also judge a little bit. So you're mm-hmm. trying to go somewhere and then somebody's slowing you down and they're doing it. They're slowing you down because they're doing something that you sort of judge as like they shouldn't be doing that, like walking mm-hmm. down the street, looking at your phone. Yep. Do you have a practical takeaway for us that we could put to use the next time we're in this hypothetical situation that would maybe help us feel more patient or later after <laughs> after we've like been able to drive and go on our merry way we won't be thinking like man i really lost it over that one like tiny little thing that doesn't even matter that much yes yes well that's a great example i think most people have experienced some version of that right um <laughs> maybe unless they're the person who walks across the street slowly maybe <laughs> then they don't but, <laughs> well, listen, but uh, we're all switching teams on that one we're constantly that's right, that's right. I'm sure we've had moments where we've we've been either right but yeah but i mean that's a great example I think you you already have even given some hints in your question. You said 
if they didn't want to be annoyed by it the next time, right? So kind of back to what I was just saying in the client situation, does it bother you that you get bothered by that? Okay, because if it doesn't, it's really okay to keep being bothered by it, right? Like, you know, you have to decide like, gosh, I don't like that a random thing that I have no control over at a four-way stop can put me in such a state where I'm really frustrated and angry. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? So kind of the first step is, does it even bother you that you get bothered? Okay, being aware of it, right? Mm -hmm. Then the second thing is, in these situations, what is going on is a values thing. I mean, that's why you said the word you're kind of judging. We all operate according to a system of values. Again, sometimes people aren't even clear what their actual values are. And they're not even clear if those values are truly helpful or if some of them are harming them. Okay. But when you see someone looking down at their phone, walking slowly, let's use this example since you brought it up, what, what are you judging in that moment? Do you think they're being unsafe? Do you think they're unaware in a situation where cars are like, what actually is the judgment that you would feel when you see that? Right. Well, to me, my judgment would be like, oh, it must be nice to just be in your own little world and not really give any thought to how you might be impacting other people. Okay, great. Yes. So that's a great example. And that's kind of back to what I was saying about the culture that we do have a bit of an individualistic culture. Mm -hmm. You know, we do. A lot of people are in their own world doing their own thing. And then, then there's the, the other end of the spectrum where some people are empaths and they can barely even care about their own world because they're busy worrying about how everyone else feels and what they're, you know, there's, <laughs> there's both ends of the spectrum, right? But you can see right there that you do value caring what, what other people, how you impact other people, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. And so you're being frustrated when you see someone who has a value different than yours, literally either through absence or they maybe have a different value, right? That they, they value staring at their phone constantly or whatever. I mean, I don't know what it, they, they might value moving slowly. They may, their biggest value in life might be, I am chill. Nobody makes me hustle. I get to, I get to move at my pace and that makes me feel good inside. So if that's their value, they might just be enacting their value and not at all paying attention to you. Okay. But it does call into question your value of, you know, wanting to care, caring about other people's reaction and your impact on them. Okay. The other thing that's going on, I think, is just we all value our own time to some degree, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just quite literally, uh, I, I think the people who struggle with patience the most, and I'm maybe di- digressing here, we'll come back to the example, but in my experience, the people who di- who suffer the most with with patients, uh, constant frustration with it, are people with tight schedules. Mm-hmm. Okay, people with kind of full lives, maybe children, spouse, uh, job, pets, whatever. And they, they kind of need every minute of the day, at least they feel like they do to make everything happen, you know, and not fall off the rails. So when you're operating on that tight of a schedule, you almost automatically don't have any room for someone who takes even 10 minutes. That seems right. unnecessary. So I think some of it is that people who tend to be high achievers or have a very packed schedule. And then people who value efficiency, you know, which is a good value, but I've seen people take efficiency way too far. 
you know, I mean, you can definitely get to a point where you, you're only thinking efficiency matters and you're kind of missing relationship or something else. The other is people with children because kids, by definition, are selfish. They're supposed to be. They're, they're trying to learn their own things and how to be in the world. And, you know, they learn a lot of that through play, which is sometimes completely opposite of what an adult needs to get done in a day you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that can be an area where patients get triggered, gets triggered. So anyway, back to the, the example, if you have a belief that your time is super valuable and it's limited, you know, and that person's being disrespectful, coming from that value and focusing on that is part of what's creating the frustration. Got it. Okay. So I mean, I just, yeah, okay. well, I have to just say like, ding, you know, check, 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 check. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> tight Fair schedule, enough. kids, yeah. you know, value efficiency, all that kind of thing. Okay. So, okay. So I love the awareness. I'm always saying you can't change a habit that you don't know you have. And I know it's so valuable. And sometimes just raising your awareness on something helps something shift all on its own, right? Because if you didn't know that that, that program was in operation, then it was, it, it's unfettered. It can just run at will, but if all of a sudden going. it's being yep. observed, it might change. But That's right. Any other practical, like, so in that moment, re- yep. recognizing, still seeing the person crossing the yep. street, looking at their phone, thinking to yourself, like, I really value my time. And I really, you know, I would be thinking about how other people are reacting in this moment. Maybe they have a different value system than me. Okay. So that's all awesome and theoretical, but is there like, what do I, what do I do so that I'm not driving away with like, you know, redlining on my frustration level? Like, mm. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think you have to value more than your time and your efficiency. You have to value peace of mind. Mm-hmm. I really do think that's a part of it. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong on that, but I just know that I do like that is probably my number one value to some degrees. I mean, you know, there's, there's other things mixed in there. Right. But I sure almost anything I'm doing, I am also making sure that my peace of mind is intact, you know, and and in some ways that limits some things that you can do, right? Because some things inherently will challenge your peace of mind more, right? But if you really decide that that is so much more important to you, then, and here, so that's one thing. So one thing is deciding that your peace of mind or uh, not wanting to experience a, a rage or an anger is important to you. So if you get clear on that, then the second thing is understanding who you can control and what you can control. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this is so fundamental, but man, people miss it all the time, right? Like the best of us miss it. Even, you know, even when you know about it, you can still miss it. So it's a sneaky one, right? But it's like you really cannot control other people. One of the main things I teach people in coaching is just that that you cannot control other people. I mean, you can sometimes influence them if they're up close to you. But usually the way you do that is by you doing first what they wish you would do, mm-hmm. you know, or by growing and changing yourself. And then almost by definition, sometimes the people around you will grow and change to match it. Mm-hmm. But very rarely can we change someone by just asserting what we wish they would freaking do that they don't <laughs> do, you know? And, mm-hmm. uh, and that is sure as hell true when we're talking about a stranger on the street who's staring at their phone and really does not care about your day, clearly. <laughs> right. And so it, it's one of those things. It really, I mean, I hate to say it boils down to the serenity prayer, but if you're familiar with 12 step things, and if you're, if, if any of your listeners are not, you know, religious or, or have any, uh, you know, it, this does not require religious belief. It is basically the prayer though. If you're not familiar with it is God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change the courage to change the things that I can and the wisdom to know the difference. 
And I think that prayer alone, especially at a certain age and stage in life, almost everything could somewhat be helped by it, at least, if not fully addressed, very much helped by it. So you cannot control that someone, in, I mean, short of rolling down the window and being, hey, you need to walk faster. People are waiting at the stop sign, you know? I mean, you could try that, but in general, for, for most people, that all that would do is create defensiveness. They'd slow down or think you're crazy or create a little anger in them. That's never going to change someone's root behavior, right? right? And so the fact that it's a thing that's going to happen, that people are acting how they act, they always will, then it becomes, well, what can I control in this? Okay, then the default is my reaction, how much I interpret it as truly a bad thing or something that is harming me or harming my schedule. Okay, so back to what you can do immediately in the moment. One, literally say the serenity prayer, get clear. Is this another human being? Oh, if so, I can't control it. Only thing you can control is yourself. And even that's pretty hard for most of us, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So, but we got a better shot at that, is, is my point, right? And then The other thing is when you are in a frustrating situation, sometimes just practicing being present in that moment, kind of surrendering like, yep, I'm in a frustrating moment. I wish I could control it and I can't. It's not going the way I like. But again, can't control it, may as well surrender and make something good out of it. So then it kind of becomes, can you do something with that time that is more enjoyable? Can you use that as a signal of, oh, I need to take three deep breaths because I kind of hold my breath and never breathe much. Can you tune into any of your physical senses? Can you be grateful that you even have a car and a busy life and a a lot to get to? So there can be a moment where you get good at shifting perspective to a value that is a higher value than the value of efficiency or or time being wasted. Got it. I'm envisioning <laughs> like a a new product. It's a bumper sticker that you put on your dashboard. So it's not for the outside of your car. It's for the inside of your it's an, car. It's an inside bumper sticker. I like it. <laughs> it has a serenity prayer. Or... Yes, some shorthand version of it that you yeah. can read while you're driving. Yeah. yeah. I mean, really, it's, uh, it, you know, we, the other thing you can't control in life is is uh, what they call acts of God, right? Or, or nature, you know? I mean, we we cannot control that it rains. We cannot control, you know, I mean, there's certain things in life that just happen and they really are kind of a bummer in the moment, given what, what we're up to, you know, but you, you have to leave room for other people can't be controlled and just natural phenomenon cannot be controlled. Some of it can be influenced. Like if you hate rain, then yeah, maybe don't live in the Pacific Northwest. Right. You know, but then that would be the courage to change the things that I can. Is it possible for me to live somewhere other than the Pacific Northwest? (laughs) <laughs> Could I get myself down to Arizona or Texas or somewhere, you know? So, you know, that that becomes the bigger focus. And for some people, that doesn't feel possible, you know. But most people, I think, could make a lot of changes in certain areas of their life. And they just really haven't taken the time to figure out what it is or do things one at a time or get creative enough to to find a solution that would at least work better than what they've got. And that's where coaching comes in. So that is where it comes in. Yeah, it it really, it really does. I mean, it's uh, it's not a cure all, but it can certainly help most people. You know, get clearer on what they want and what they actually can act on. You know, if you can't change a thing, you basically your your default is to change your perspective. Right. So that's it. I mean, you either change the action or that you either don't drive places where people cross the intersection, (laughs) you know, or you start some giant campaign in life, you know, of four stop awareness, please, people don't look at your phones, you know, (laughs) let's all cross quickly and efficiently, you know, or something. I mean, you know, there, there are things you could do, but 
Beyond that, if those are not things that you truly are going to do or they don't seem feasible, the next thing to change would be your perspective or what you're valuing in the moment. Got it. Okay. Kelly, thank you so much. Always wonderful to talk to you. Absolutely. You're welcome. I hope it was helpful. And uh, thanks again for inviting me. (laughs) Bye-bye. Take care. Hey, this is Kate coming to you with your tiny assignment. And to thank you for sticking with the longest interview so far on how to be a better person. (laughs) I like try and keep these episodes short, but I just love hearing what Kelly has to say. And we got into it. So I hope you found something of value in there. And your tiny assignment for the day is really just to, next time you notice your impatience flare, I'm guessing will happen in the next 24 hours, just ask yourself, is this something I have any control over? (laughs) Sometimes we need that little reminder, like Kelly was saying. Be sure and come back tomorrow when I am taking a look at some of the things that could be behind your impatience. And on Friday, I'm talking about when impatience can be a very good thing indeed. When things are in flux and you're looking for ways to stay grounded and more patient, the premium organic CBD products from Therapist Preferred can really help. Now through the end of November, listeners of this podcast can use the coupon code WELOVEKATE, all one word, to save 25% at therapistpreferred.com. Thanks for listening to How to Be a Better Person. Our theme song is Left for Deadish by Junior85. The podcast is mixed by Sound Advice Strategies. If you liked what you heard in this episode, share it with someone you think would like it too. Your voice matters. Also, How to Be a Better Person has an official newsletter that sends the past seven episodes, a sneak peek of the week ahead, and one well-chosen meme to your inbox every Saturday morning. Sign up at BeABetterPersonPodcast.com and click on Get Podcast News. I also love to hear from listeners. I mean, I love it. Send me an email by clicking on the Contact Kate button at BeABetterPersonPodcast.com. Tweet me at Kate Han, K-A-T-E-H-A-N, or find me on Instagram at Kate Hanley Author. I look forward to connecting with you. 